Transform the way you hunt with the all-new Bay Cellular Trail Camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I've got my buddy Pierce Nellis on the line already. Pierce, what's up, man? Not much, man. Just enjoying the off season. Yeah. Thinking about deer, getting ready for turkeys. It's a weird thing this time of year, dude. Like I, yes, it is. I was talking with some guys earlier, and I was like, I don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> right now. Like, literally, what should I be doing? There's, there's a lot that I should be doing, like cleaning this basement uh, that I'm sitting in right now, uh, where my podcast studio is. But like, I don't know, man. I don't want to do that. I want to deer no. hunt or turkey hunt, and those things are not upon us. No, we're, we're kind of in like the dog days of the off season right now. It's like last year's season is what, four months away now. Yeah. And the next year's season's what, six now or so? Like it's six or seven, I guess. It's just a weird time, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, there are probably guys listening to this in Alabama who just finished hunting like two and a half weeks ago who were like, what's your problem? Or guys down in Florida <laughs> who like wrapped up last week and they're like, wait a second, still kind of deer season you know still close enough but but not for me man yeah it it, it's way out there on uh on the horizon yet but uh so i I thought i'd switch things up this week and have a little bit of fun with the episode you know we've done a lot of really serious stuff on the how to hunt deer podcast really focused on education and that kind of thing but i wanted to have you on and talk a bit about um just some hot button issues like basically i feel like ranting on some stuff and maybe ruffling some feathers and (laughs) maybe getting some messages that are positive, maybe some that are negative and just opening up. Feedback's good. What's that? Feedback's good. Yeah, man. I just want to open up some conversations because like, like we were talking about, it's the, the dog days of the off season. Like what else is Mm -hmm. there to do? I mean, we can talk about postseason scouting until we're blue in the face. Ultimately, here's your postseason scouting tip. Go. Um, go do it and go look for stuff that deer did. Um, mm-hmm. You could do the Dan Johnson Maybe tip. Maybe find a shed. <laughs> yeah, do the Dan Johnson tip. Go where deer live and look at the ground. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess that works. But uh, anyway, so I wanted Didn't to talk a bit. What's that? Didn't work for me last week. No, and, I, you know, I mentioned it on the Wisconsin Sportsman episode that I did for this week where I was like, yeah, that's great. Uh, but... If that was the case, then, you know, if it was that simple, you'd expect, you know, antlers to be evenly distributed across the landscape. You would, mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect what we actually find, which is antlers concentrated in certain areas, yeah. um, which anybody that sheds, shed hunts will tell you that. And that might be great for Iowa, where there are lots of freaking sheds that are mm-hmm. really big. It's probably not good for Alabama, <clears throat> right? Like, probably not going to help you a whole lot there. So. No. Anyway, very situational, but 
Uh, well, at the same time, like, now granted, I'm a really bad shed hunter. Ah, you and me like, both. I, I find sheds when I'm doing anything but shed hunting. I've found them while fishing. I've found them while turkey hunting, uh, pheasant hunting. Like, I mean, <laughs> out for a hike, walking the dog, you name it. But if I go out with the intent of finding a, a good shed or any shed at all, for that matter, I can't do it. Like, for some reason, the uh, the deer gods are like, your luck ended in November, and now you get to wait <laughs> for another 12 months, because, you know, maybe we'll throw you a bone, but for yeah. the most part, I, I it's, it is completely, totally dumb luck for me. Yeah, you do not get to hold another antler until next November. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Well, hey, listen, before we get too far into the episode, Pierce, I do want to... Uh, Say a big thanks to our partners. This is weird. I've never done this part with another person on uh, on the line already. But uh, you nailed is... the intro, so yeah, man. You know what? I, I did it. <laughs> I did okay. So uh, yeah, first of all, this podcast is brought to you by Tacticam. They're the title sponsor of this show. Uh, right now, they've got their 6.0 camera, which gives you 4K 60 frame per second footage. Uh, it's got awesome image stabilization, great low light performance. And Pierce, you can speak to my Tacticams. You've seen me dragging those things around what do you think about them you saw them you saw them during turkey season and during yes i did yes i did they're uh i was impressed with your with your setup you know whether it be the barrel mount or uh the little clip-on with the uh the flexible arm that you would latch onto the tree and stuff over your bow hunt and hang out of the tree that's the bendy clamp that's a bendy clamp yeah that's called the bendy clamp what's that that made by Tacticam? Yeah, everything I had was Tacticam. So all the mounts, oh, all the adapters, they do all that stuff. And I love that bendy clamp because you can, you know, for turkey hunting, you can obviously, I like to curl it up like a little snake and set it out in the mm-hmm. decoys because it'll just sit there. <clears throat> I've, right, used it, right. uh, I've used it attached to a, um, to a decoy before to get some pretty sweet footage. And then I also like the over-the-shoulder look where it's kind of like behind you looking down the yep. barrel. Which is which is really really cool. So, um, yeah, dude. So if you don't have a Tacticam camera, if you're thinking about filming your hunts, you're thinking about sharing them with your friends or loved ones, or putting them on YouTube or whatever it is, go check them out. Tacticam.com. They've also got the Solo Extreme camera, which is a uh, little more budget friendly option. Uh, I think it's somewhere around. I'm not going to quote the price because I'm going to get it wrong. But go to Tacticam.com and you'll find that. Next up, Huntworth. Well, hold on oh, here. Wait. Not to mention the. Uh... The little remote that comes with that bad boy. Oh, yeah. In so fact, you can link all the cameras yeah. together, so then you can kind of punch one of them yes. on or all of them on at once. Yes, just press the button without having to tap every single one of them. Yeah, that is... Pretty freaking sweet. In my mind, like, that's the game changer for, mm-hmm. for these things. Like, if they didn't have the remote, I would find them a lot less useful. Yep. So if you don't have a remote and you've got Tacticam cameras, you really don't know what you're missing. If you're going to go to buy a, you know, Tacticam point of view camera, whether it's the Solo Extreme or the 6.0, grab that remote because they are incredible. And they can turn on, I think it's up to seven cameras mm-hmm. or something. I mean, they like a bunch <clears throat> of them all on one remote and it's super easy. Uh, yeah. And they, they give you a little bit of a buzz too. So they kind of buzz and vibrate just enough to let you know that they're turning on. So if you've got one on your weapon uh, or got one like mounted right close to you, you can kind of tell like, you see a, a small light come on, and then like you feel a little bit of a buzz, or you can hear just a tiny bit of a buzz. Not enough that any animal is going to detect it, but enough to let you know, like, hey, your camera's on and rolling. Yeah. So, 
yeah, man, those are sweet. Uh, next up, Huntworth. Uh, man, what'd you think of my Huntworth stuff? So you you, you do good. not wear Huntworth stuff. You've got some good camo. You've got good I stuff. Do. Yeah. But uh, this was my first year hunting out of out of some Huntworth stuff, and I feel like I blended in really well. Yeah. Like I thought their camo pattern was pretty legit. What did you think? You're running that tarnin pattern, right? Yeah, dude. It's yeah. sweet. It looks really good. What did What did you think as far as like diversity? Like, do you think that that's good for multiple settings? I would say so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you were running the same stuff for turkey season, weren't you? Uh, no, I had not hunted out of, out of the tarnin yet. Oh, uh, that's right. But I did have, so I was hunting with a, a long sleeve shirt that was a similar pattern to tarnin, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's actually a different brand. Um, okay. And when okay. I say similar, it's missing some really important things. What that one didn't have is the light spots, like the, yep. you know, the, the, it was really compressed. And so mm-hmm. when you back off, it just looks like a big black blob. Whereas the tarnin pattern's got enough open space in it that, yep. you know, it, it really breaks you up a lot better. Absolutely. So, but man, I stayed warm. I stayed comfy. If you want some Huntworth gear, go to huntworthgear.com. Highly recommend them, uh, especially because it's not going to break the bank. You know, you're not going to have to explain why you spent all that money on camo because, uh, you know, you went with the wrong company. So, anyways, thanks for putting up with me in the commercials there, Pierce. <laughs> let's uh, let's jump into the topic of today. I want this podcast to <clears throat> be able to develop a little bit of its own personality, right? Like, I took this podcast over from someone else, it, from Dan. He had done a great job with it had guys from the NDA on, uh, they had done a phenomenal job. It was very informational, you know? And so I want a little bit of who I am and who my guests are to come through a little more clearly rather than it being this like sterile classroom kind of environment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so today we're literally just going to be talking about hot button issues. And if I can (laughs) ruffle some feathers or Pierce, if I can make you mad at me, I think, that, I think that would be a super cool episode. Like if I could just tick you off to that's where the bar. Yeah, that's dude, we're that's, going for that's, here. Yeah, that is the bar because I'm not going to see you in person until April 19th when I come up true. for turkey hunting. So you've got a long time to get over it. Um, so if I can make you upset with me, I think that would be pretty sweet. Do your worst. I think people would listen. <laughs> if anything, if we could make anyone angry. I think that would be a yeah. You think you know, that'd be a win? It's, it's the off season. It's uh, you know we've got <laughs> nothing better to do but push some buttons. So yeah, that's right. I think we uh, we ought to have at it. That's right. Yeah. If you <laughs> if you get mad at me after this episode about my opinion or Pierce's opinion on something, like it's fine. Just take the summer off. Come back and listen. You know, late July, <laughs> early August. You'll be over it by then, and uh, you'll be able to enjoy the podcast again. So kill a turkey. You'll feel better. There you go. Go take your aggression out on a, on a gobbler. (laughs) That's man. I'm going to do another episode this year on, um, how to become a better deer hunter by turkey hunting, you know, because I I just think that the lessons you learn in the turkey woods, dude, are huge when it comes to deer hunting, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to putting moves on an animal. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, when it comes to just how animals use the terrain, because you'll notice like deer and turkeys use terrain very, very similarly. Oh yeah. You know? And, uh, so yeah, so I think it's, uh, I think it's just going to be a good topic. So, but today 
talking hot hot button, hot topic kinds of issues, uh, I want to start off with something that's been making the rounds here lately. And I've intentionally not approached this topic because I wanted to hear out the different views that are out there. And that has to do with cell cams, specifically the cameras that are live. Like you can pull up your app and you can get a live feed from your camera to your cell phone, right? And whether or not that is fair chase. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I personally currently run some cell cams. I don't know how I feel about a live feed, man. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I'm right there with you. I, uh, I I think cell cams in themselves are, uh, I mean, I I think they're enough of a, they really are. They're, they're enough of a cheat code, really, in my opinion, you know, you're not having to go in there. You're not laying a bunch of scent down. Um, you're getting more or less real time photos as is, um, or video, whatever it is, you know, that sure there's a couple minute delay or whatever it is. But, um, you know, I, as far as having eyes on animals at all times, I really think that's about as, as far as I would like to go in my opinion. Um, I I think, you know, I I don't remember who I was listening to. I think it might've been Mark Kenyon where he was talking about, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you can in theory see a buck you're after on camera and then basically just essentially be on a one way zoom call with this thing on your way out to kill it. (laughs) You know, it, it just doesn't seem like fair chase to me. I'd have to draw the line there. Um, I think cell cams, you know, again, just having that couple of minutes of delay, if you're there and you're within, you know, 150 yards and that thing goes off, well, okay. Say it's been five minutes. You're not, you've got a pretty good idea where that deer is going um, yeah. or where it is and that kind of stuff. I, I really, I think I'd draw the line at cell cams and the live stream stuff can, uh, you know, stick to the, uh, the office use. Yeah. Well, and man, See, that's where it gets me, though. Like, I am not okay with someone getting a cell cam picture or, you know, pulling up the live stream and seeing a deer in a food plot or seeing a deer at a feeder walking Mm -hmm. out their back door 75 yards and shooting it. There was this lady on Instagram. Did you see that video? No, I did not. So there's a video floating around out there where she's like, obviously she's got these sponsors and she's plugging the product and all that stuff. And her husband's high-fiving her. She was sitting at home by herself. Cell cam picture comes through. She grabs the rifle, right? The high-powered rifle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walks out back and shoots the deer standing at the feeder. To really? Me, yeah. Yeah. So to yeah. me, <clears throat> that is even too far with the cell cameras. Now, I don't think that that means cell cameras should be eliminated or outlawed or banned. But I think it brings up a point of pretty much anything can be used unethically. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and on top of it, you didn't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I, I thought the Boone and Crockett system put in a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not a blue pole, but a little clause. Um, in their regulations were basically, they said, if you kill a deer 
over a cell cam, it doesn't count. Um, yeah. And so I, I, you know, I think they're on the right track there. Um, Cause again, you know, you can do exactly the, the scenario that you just said yeah. um, and that kind of stuff. So let me ask you this from an ethical standpoint, do you think there should be, I don't know, like a distance restriction on like your proximity to the camera or unless you're like already hunting or in the stand or how do you think that would? uh... Yeah. See my, my concern with, with regulation regarding it is simply that how are you really going to enforce that? Oh yeah. You know, like, like your ability to enforce any of that kind of regulation stuff, even when Mm -hmm. it comes to the Boone and Crockett club, like, yeah, they took a step in the right direction for what they're doing. But mm-hmm. what they're going to do, you shoot a Booner buck, you're going to bring it to be scored, and they're going to say, were you near a cell camera? And you're going to say, nope. <laughs> and it's going to go into the book. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to. That's very true. They're, Although. They're not going to ask that buck, like, hey, Mr. Buck, did you pass a cell camera recently? You yeah, know, did you walk by right. one? But Right. Although I think there is potentially room in um, – I think there's room in the software for, you know, as these cell cams continue to advance um, or as well as the apps, you know, linked to the phone and stuff like that. I think there's, I think there's an opportunity there where if you were to try and address that, you could in theory have, have it set up so that the cell camera will not send you a photo if you're within, you know, whatever distance X number of miles or whatever, of the camera, you know, I like that. So then it's like you can't be that close, and I then like that. you know, you yeah, so hop in your truck and if you are that close, and, if you are that close, you're not getting any pictures, right? Yeah. Ah, well, okay. I think that's an easy, that's an easy safeguard to that situation. Yeah, man, I think you're right, and we've, I mean, the tech's already there. These yeah. cameras oh, are already totally. equipped with GPS, a lot of mm-hmm. them. Um, you know, things like Cuddyback Digital, we know a camera can talk to your to other cameras and can tell where your phone is at and all that kind of stuff you know so yeah man the tech's already there let's talk then about the live streaming because here's the problem i think that's probably too far for hunting but i want one (laughs) I, i mean honestly because here here's why if I am sitting around on October 30th and I can't hit the woods mm-hmm. and I've got this camera in my food plot, I want to watch that food plot, dude. I want to see what comes out. Like I want to, right. you know, I want to sit there working at my office or at my desk in my office and pull up a browser window and watch what's happening on there. Like I want to see, um, I want to see what's going on in that field in that moment so that, you know, I kind of get a little bit of a hunting fix out of that. Yeah, what do you totally. What do you think? I mean, that's not that's not wrong, right? Like, I just want to <laughs> I just want to watch deer, man. I want to show. I want to get no. my kids, and I want to say, guys, come look at what's out in the field right now. Right, right. Yeah, I do like I, I like that idea a lot. Um, I think there's a I think there's a market for it for sure. Again, I think it comes down to like if we're if we're looping back to the ethics of it. Like, would it only run a feed if you're X distance away from you? Like, mm-hmm. if you were to try and, like, safeguard it, or you can only run 
live cameras, you know, nine months of the year, but you can't from, or I guess, you know, 10 months of the year, whatever, you, whatever it may be, yeah. uh, you know, you, they won't send anything or they won't work or they, they operate as a cell cam only or something, um, you know, yeah. within October, November or something like that. Like, what, what do you think about that? Cause I'm right yeah. there with you. I would love to be able to do that and watch stuff, you know, year round. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to let people, you know, especially keep an eye on their properties and stuff like that. Oh um, yeah. You know, whether it be just, you know, if you've got one strictly for security and you put it, you know, at the gate to your property or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. You ever, you ever I'm get not a, opposed to them by any means. <laughs> yeah. You ever get a picture on your, uh, on your cell cam when you have a delay set and it's somebody that walks by and noticed your camera and you're sitting there anxiously, like, Holy crap, are they going to steal this thing or not? <laughs> right. So like you're, you're waiting, like you're, you've got a five yeah. minute delay or whatever it is. And you're like, yeah. Oh no. How cool would it be to be able to flip it on and say, no, no, I want to see what's, what's happening right now. Have so a little that pepper I, spray, uh, nozzle. Oh, like, there you go. go. You can hit like a little safety button. <laughs> no, dude, I, I wanted to spray doe and estrus right in their face. Oh, that'd be good. Just full on doe and estrus. Tasty. Yeah. Right <laughs> in the face. Yeah, you know, I, I like the idea of safeguards that are built in. Um, yeah, I like that idea. I think there are some other things that go into it too, though, such as terrain. You know, yeah. if I'm hunting in the deep south, let's say, and, uh, you know, in a pine plantation, that's not the same and I see a buck, right, in, in this pine plantation on my live camera feed. Say what you want. That is not the same as me seeing a deer in a picked cornfield in southern Wisconsin during the rifle season. Right. It's not the same. It's not the same. You do not have the same potential of getting up on that deer close enough for a shot mm-hmm. in Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Texas, Florida, Spots of Wisconsin, like it's, you know, it's not just a state by state thing. If you've got that camera back in the timber, what are the odds you're really going to get in there and get a shot at that thing? Yeah, probably pretty slim. Um, so yeah, so I, I think it's so situational on 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 that front. Um, but like I said, I want one. I want to watch. <laughs> I want. I want to watch what's going on. Um, you know, and I and I think it it really just highlights. You know, safeguards can be great and all of that, but mm-hmm. it really highlights the importance of, you know, we can't necessarily legislate or safeguard ourselves towards a better and more ethical hunter. We just need to create better and more ethical hunters. Like, right. right. That, that's so the standard it, amongst yourselves. and Yeah, that's where this whole <clears throat> self-policing thing comes in, mm-hmm. where, you know, like that video on Instagram now – I looked at the comments, they were catching some crap for it. And I yeah. think rightly so. Rightly so. They should have caught crap for that. Yeah. That was not hunting. That was shooting. Mm-hmm. Like literally, that was just shooting. I lumped that in the same category of, you know, shooting a deer at night. Like, good job. You you hit it. <laughs> it was a yeah. target. You hit it with a gun. That's not that difficult. <laughs> um, congratulations. So Anyway, yeah, we need to make better, more ethical <clears throat> hunters. I want one. 
Safeguards, safeguards are a good idea. Um, if you were to drop one of your, uh, if you were to acquire one, where would you put it? Get one, one state, one property. One state, one property. I would put it in Alabama, on the home farm, on the far back food plot, because All right. we've got three different plots. The one in the very back is the one where. A couple of times a year, in February, we get two or three bucks cruise through this tiny little food plot, middle of the day. I'm talking 12 to 2 o'clock. We don't have a cell camera back there. All we have is a standard SD card camera. And usually by the time we check the SD card, uh, we've missed him. And he's come through there on like February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. You know, at high noon. Um (laughs) You know, or just something, something stupid. So I would have it there. Uh, I need to get a cell camera on that, on that place anyway. And my dad's got cameras that he runs, but uh, none of them are cell cameras. So I need sure. some back there anyway. But yeah, that's where it would be. And it, it's just one of our better producers for right. deer on the property. Just get a lot of deer. There's a pine thicket to the, uh, what would that be? The east mm-hmm. of the property that's, you know, getting a little older now for to be good betting but it's been phenomenal betting in the past and probably getting ready for a thinning so it's probably about to be good betting again sure but that's still where the deer come from i just had a thought here do you think there's any sort of discrepancy on the use of those live feed cameras on public versus private land mm. like would you like it if somebody you know if you you and the family go for a hike or whatever on some public land, wherever it is, or you're hunting or you're fishing or whatever, whatever it may be, you're outside on some public ground and you all of a sudden you're hiking, you look up and you see somebody's, you know, are they cell cams? What, what are we calling these things? I don't even know. I haven't. Like, yeah, dude, they're, not, they're not quite cell cams. They're like, they're live. I mean, they are live cams. They're live, stream, they're live stream all right. cameras. All right. Live stream cameras for we use that terminology. If you saw one of those bad boys on public land, I think I'd be a little pissed. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't I feel like a it. Violated? No, I would. I wouldn't like it. But granted, you are on public ground, so really, you are. Yeah, you're on. What's public- the difference between that and some creepy guy in a ghillie suit sitting in the bushes <laughs> watching? <you>? I mean, <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, and what are you doing that you're worried about people seeing you out there, Pierce? Yeah, touche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that's a that's a good point. Like, like that's different than, you know, I get bust, you know, get caught on a trail camera. Somebody gets a picture of me or a mm-hmm. thirty second video of me. I caught two people last year peeing because uh, my my cameras were set up on scrapes, and I got videos of these guys peeing. One of the guys turns around and sees the camera and just oh, no. and just smiles super big like <laughs> i can't believe you just got that and then he walked off he didn't bother with it so i guess he was pretty confident in himself but oh um, what do you do at that point <laughs> yeah i, I mean now, I, let's keep this between you and me yeah and yeah now this podcast yeah and i <laughs> yeah now this podcast and i saved that video so if that was you you were hunting southern <laughs> Why, wisconsin God? What's that? Why'd you save that one, huh? Because it's hilarious, oh, and I show it sure. to people. I do. 
So I, I show it to people, man. I love to. Uh, I haven't posted it on Facebook or anything yet or Instagram, but um, I, I, yeah. So if you're in southern Wisconsin and you were peeing in a scrape and you turned around to see a camera roughly 11 feet or so up in the tree behind you and you gave it a big smile and you have blonde hair, uh, hit me up. Because uh, <laughs> I caught you peeing in a scrape. So um, a dozen people listening right now are like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy saw it. He had sunglasses on. He definitely knew the camera was there. Yeah, fair, um, fair. And it was in October. Do you ever so, deer hunt with sunglasses on? Oh, all the time. Really? All the time. You don't get worried about the glare? No. Okay. No, I'm not worried. I Early season, I love wearing sunglasses. All right. Love sure. it. Love it. I'll wear them turkey hunting too. Now, if I'm working a bird, I take them off. Okay, gotcha. But I'll I'll wear them turkey hunting just because it's like, I mean, some of the places where I hunt, man, where I'm I'm crossing a seventy acre cornfield, mm-hmm. like that's just brutal, man. It's hot. It's yeah. bright. Like I need I need a little bit of a respite, you know, <laughs> from the from the brutal rays that are beating down on me. Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, man, I I, th- I think we've covered that one, you know. I think there's a lot of room to go wrong with a live stream camera. I think I want one and that's about all. But <laughs> I want one for my use, but the rest of you should maybe be like on an every other basis, you know? It's, yeah. I, <laughs> it's probably going to go too far. Um, and be like most things, like yeah. most things, it's probably going to be taken too far, but Hey, we haven't outlawed guns yet and people shoot deer at night with guns. All the time. So. This is true. Yeah. But I don't know. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Next topic. I've got to cover this one because this one hopefully will ruffle some feathers too. I know one individual who will really get ruffled if I start pushing this. Oh, boy. Scent control. <laughs> All right. Number one, do you do anything? Actually, should, should we talk about whether we do any scent control stuff or whether we think it works first? They're kind of the same thing. Yeah, they're kind of the same thing. They're also kind of, I feel like it's almost like the, uh, I feel like everyone's got their, their own personal routine and ritual for, uh, you know, making like the mental shift of like, okay, I just got up out of bed. Now I am getting on my stuff that has been, you know, in a sealed tote or just sprayed down, or I'm in the truck smoking a dart and I'm going <laughs> to grab my bow and hike up there, my flannel. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, 
I think above all else, uh, at the end of the day, if you got bad wind, uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot that's going to save you. I really don't. But I think there are too many scents that come out of the human body. Um, <laughs> when you say it like that, we just sound from, like disgusting uh, creatures. From a number of orifices. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I just don't think there's any way to, to scent proof everything, whether, I mean, I think it's a marketer's dream. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I mean, you, you can sell the heck out of that stuff, you know, any which way you want, I think. Um, yeah. And I until think until day, you can talk to a deer, you literally can't prove it wrong. Right. Like, yeah. Like you literally can't prove it wrong until mm-hmm. you can sit down and have a conversation with a deer. Right. I, I think, gosh, I don't know. I, I think that the big things that I've just from my experience had it come down to is I always wear rubber boots when I'm going into the field. So I don't leave too much scent going, you know, on the ground. Um, I try and keep everything pretty darn tight. So I'm not brushing a bunch of stuff. And then I like to get high up in a tree and that is pretty much my scent control. I like getting at least, at least 18 to 20 feet up. Um, maybe a little bit more with the saddle hunting this year. Um, figured out I could get away with a lot less. Uh, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're standing and you're essentially looking like one branch of the tree rather than you're a sitting blob hanging off of this thing where you need a little bit more, uh, um, stuff breaking up your silhouette. But in my experience, in my opinion, that's all I really do. I guess I do hang my stuff out on the back porch, um, year round just so it gets a little bit more of a natural scent. If you want to call it that, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think I think the wind is the wind and the deer's nose are the two things that you gotta you gotta contend with. Yeah, I I agree, <laughs> man. If you don't have the wind, you're done. Mm-hmm. Like it just, or or you're not done, but that doesn't mean your scent control routine worked, right? Like it it means a thermal pull just right. And you got away right. with it. Yep. Or it means for some reason that deer did not have a strong negative reaction to it. Yep. I have had deer have no reaction when getting downwind. And I've had deer have huge reactions when getting mm-hmm. downwind. Um, I used to be a scent control freak, man. Like, I would... I washed my clothes literally. <clears throat> if I was going hunt, if I wasn't hunting two days in a row, I would wash my clothes in between. Like I would come home, throw my clothes really? in the wash, and wash them. <laughs> and then I would air dry them outside, and then I would soak them in activated carbon water. Right, like the got the black stuff all in the water. Yeah, I would uh- soak them in tubs of that, air dry them again, store them in scent proof bags that are airtight yeah, with, you know, sticks and leaves and all kinds of stuff that I got from, <laughs> from the area where I hunt. And then I would literally drive to the place where I was going and I was hunting all public land. I would drive to the place where I was hunting, get out of the car and literally strip down and get dressed right there in the parking lot. 
<laughs> I yeah, like it. Bad. I had multiple. And, uh, I had multiple what, pairs what, of gloves that really? I would stay gloved up the whole time because I wasn't <laughs> Wait, gonna like, touch any rubber gloves or like. I would start with rubber gloves, like when I was unpacking everything. I had no rubber. Way. I had legit latex rubber gloves on because I wasn't <laughs> gonna touch anything. And I what would did go, this scent control method cost you on an annual basis? Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was my number one. It was my number one cost sure. to deer hunt by far. And the amount of time that it took is probably mm-hmm. why I didn't hunt as much as I should have, because I drove my wife nuts. <laughs> like it was bad. And even during all of this, like I would get busted. I would have you know deer would see or would smell me. And, and turn inside out or you go out and you get sweaty and you realize, boy, this activated carbon's not doing anything for me. Right. You know, I've, and I've tried the scent lock suits. I've done it all. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, <clears throat> I just decided, man, even if this stuff does work, like even if it helps me a little bit, it sucks so bad to go to those extremes yep. that I don't want to do it. Like it just, it saps the fun out of out of hunting sure and so i threw all of that stuff out the window now i do to this day use ozone and the reason i use ozone is because i notice a marked difference in the amount of body odor that builds up in clothing like if i go out and i get sweaty in the clothes i take them off when i come home even once they've aired out or dried out or whatever you can still smell it smells like sweat Right. Yep. Throw them in the ozone bag. They don't smell like sweat anymore. Like to sure. me, that's a win. And I just, I just don't feel like washing the clothes. Right. So yeah, honestly, yeah. it's more, it's more so that my stench doesn't just build up and build up and build up mm-hmm. rather than, you know, I'm thinking I'm getting away with something. Right. Um, so do you do still use that? I do. The yeah. ozone bag? Gotcha. I, I do use the ozone bag. Uh, I use a scent crusher ozone bag sure. and, Dude, it's, it's awesome. Like all my, all my clothing fits in there. So mm-hmm. I just carry that with me. So like if I'm in Alabama or if I'm here in Georgia or if I'm in Wisconsin or whatever, I've always got that bag with me and it's got everything in it. Sure. It's, it's it big enough to have well. it all. What's that? It travels pretty well. Oh yeah. It's a duffel. So really? yeah, just throw that sucker right. over your shoulder and it's got a little pouch on the end for the, mm-hmm. uh, for the ozone generator yep. and yep. you know, plug it into your car lighter when you're on your way there, start it, runs the cycle. You're good to go. How long does the cycle take? Uh, you can time it. So, like, you can set okay, it. Okay, gotcha. I always do it on the longest setting because mm-hmm. at heart I've still there's got – There's still that part of you that wants to believe that <laughs> yeah. it's really – Dude, there, there's that part of me that wants to do it real good if I'm doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like if I'm going to do it, I want to do it real good. Um, but, yeah, man, so I, I do that, but it's not from a from a, you know – thinking I'm getting away with something perspective. It's more so that I don't smell myself because I don't like to stink. Sure. Um, yeah. Are you running any, uh, any antimicrobial clothing, any like Merino or anything like that? That's yeah. So I've so, noticed a big difference in that. Yeah. So I've got some Merino, um, that I've worn. My problem with Merino is when it gets wet, mm-hmm. it kind of has a little bit of a smell to it. Yep, that woolly um, smell. Yep, yeah. yep, and I don't like that a lot. I did switch over to the Huntworth synthetic base layers this year, yep. and I found them to be 
<clears throat> pretty much as warm as merino of the same weight, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, if yeah. it's the same thickness as the merino you've got on, then it, you're going to be just as warm. And I think it's got some antimicrobial properties to it. Sure. Um, so yeah, so I, I do, but you know, if I was if I was going to buy some uh, some base layers, like it being antimicrobial, wouldn't be important to me. Okay, if that makes gotcha. sense. Because I'm going to gotcha. run it through ozone anyway. It's not going right. to it's not going to have that much on it. And uh, you know, once I take it all off, I'm going to th- run it through the ozone. It's going to kill everything that's on it anyway. Sure. So, uh, I, I do think there may be some value, and this is because of something Tony Peterson told me. There might be some value in some sprays that yeah. make you smell like you're further away than you actually are. So rather than smelling like you're 30 yards away, <clears throat> it diminishes your scent profile enough to make you smell like you're 150 yards away or whatever it is, right? Right. So, you know, in that case, the goal isn't to eliminate your scent. It's to not smell like a threat. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah. Weren't you telling me, because Tony's a big uh, bird dog guy. Wasn't he yeah. testing a bunch of different sprays and stuff with his dogs? And Yep. <clears throat> yep. And I think he used, a th- you can go back and listen to that episode. So it's the last one me and Tony did together. Gosh, I think that was in August of this year. Something like that, yeah, August, yeah. September, some somewhere in there. Either way, last time Tony was on this show, we talked about it. He had tested a bunch of different ones, and I think it was the Code Blue uh, aerosol. Tinks? Oh, Tinks. Yeah, it was the Tinks. Yeah, yeah. It was the Tinks aerosol. That stuff's hard to find. Well, that's what he, he was like. I don't even know if they make it anymore. Yeah. So I I haven't found it. It may be out He's there just floating got around. In his basement. He probably does, dude. That's Pallets probably of the stuff. <laughs> that's probably why he kills all those deer he does. You know. But he's he's also a big believer in the uh <clears throat> in um rubber boots. Mm-hmm. Um I am, but I hate to wear rubber boots. So I go with hikers most of the time. However, I have seen a big difference in the way deer react to my ground scent whenever I'm wearing hikers compared to rubber boots but with my um with my hunting style a lot of times i'm hunting around where people hike anyway or where you know bird hunters walk through anyway yeah and so it doesn't really matter they kind of smell it they're alerted to it they pick it up really quickly but they Mm -hmm. don't necessarily bolt out of there because they're like okay there's a bird hunter or there's a hiker in here i just need to move through here carefully right you know what i mean they're not like Oh crap! There's, you know, human smell in the middle of my bedding area or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. You know, they're they're a little bit used to to smelling people in that. Right. And I think region. so much of it has to do with how much pressure a certain area gets, how much human traffic it gets, and also just like the really like the demeanor of the deer. You know yeah. what I mean? If a deer is strung out and just really on edge, if it catches a whiff, odds are that thing's gone. But if it's just cruising in and, you know, doesn't have a care in the world. Yeah. I mean, I was on public ground, uh, you know, th- this what was that October, I think it was same kind of thing. Right. I mean, literally right off of a hiking trail. Um, and I had three does come in and like 
follow my exact path, like yeah. just sniffing the ground almost curiously yep. to the point where they got right underneath my stand and were like, one of them was licking one of the rungs of my climbing sticks. Like it was, they were just. <laughs> They're like, I want to taste it. Yeah. Just like, I, I, I've gotten a whiff. I want it. I want the real thing, baby. But it's. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, that I'll, was the one that they wouldn't, I, I, I was, that was my first real saddle hunt. And I made the mistake of uh, thinking they were going to come to the wrong side. And oh, yeah. I crossed everything over my bridge. And then I needed to turn and I had no cover between me and the deer. And they were like uh, literally right below me. And I was like, I can't turn around right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm watching deer tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that, that adjustment to to saddle hunting is tough but i think it becomes mm-hmm. second nature really quickly yes definitely like I, i'm curious to hear your feedback on that mm-hmm. even i mean i didn't get a count on how many days i had out of the saddle this year but i know just from that day um and you know just kind of figuring that and you know, i'm just shooting up the learning curve and stuff like that yeah uh i think the biggest thing i really got to do for next year is uh get better at picking trees and silence my climbing sticks (laughs) yeah yeah you'll find the kind of tree that you like and how you like to approach it and you know it's a little bit different a little bit different for everybody um you like skinny trees don't you i do i like i like tiny little trees and here's the reason because that usually means i'm close to bedding right like if if i'm in where the trees are small then that means i'm in where it's thick and brushy and yeah, it's just and it's you know just the nature of the places where I hunt. If I hunt the big timber, I'm out of the game. Yeah, true. I'm just not in it. So now <clears throat> out there where you hunt, you can be all up in the game in in mm-hmm. big timber in Southwest Wisconsin, where yeah. I'm at, kind of South Central Wisconsin. It's it's you know, I'm mm-hmm. probably going to be out of the game. Now there are spots where you know oak flats and that sort of thing, but some of my favorite stuff is a lot more marshy. And so, right. you know, if I'm, if I'm in the big timber, I'm way, you know, I'm a hundred yards from where I could expect to really see deer. Sure. You know, sure. But, uh, man, this time's going by really quickly. We've been, uh, we've been at it for 45 minutes. Yeah, but now yeah. let me ask you this on the, yeah. uh, on the note of scent control. Yeah. What's your take on, uh, doe asterisk buck scent, you know, uh, any uh urine slash hormone hunting supplement on the market <laughs> and i i think that i'm about to blow any chance i ever had of a partnership with code blue or anything like that uh, <laughs> no i i think any urine based scent is garbage all right I think any urine-based scent is garbage because um, not only is it going to oxidize the moment you take that top off, it's going to start oxidizing. The moment you pour it out, you have a small window of time until that urine basically breaks down to ammonia. Yep. And the deer can't tell what it is. Right. It's a fox, human, raccoon, deer, coyote. They don't know what it is. It's ammonia. Mm -hmm. Um, and because I just don't necessarily trust the product. Like I watched several does this past, uh, 
this past fall, mostly on trail camera. If they were being pushed around by a buck, especially a small buck, kind of before, you know, before the rut really got going, mm-hmm. they would kind of run off away from the buck a little bit, squat down, pee, and then run off. The buck would come over, smell it, and then kind of go back to his business and he'd go the other direction. It, and, I've, huh. and I've witnessed this in person quite a few times. It yep. was like these does were telling these bucks, I'm not ready yet. Sure. You know, it was like their way of saying, like, all, not quite. Like, you need to back yep. off, dude. Right. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I think that that's a possibility. I, I think it's possible that, you know, um, you get the wrong doe pee scent. Like, you could do the wrong thing. Yeah, like even if it totally. does, even if it does maintain its integrity after putting it out, mm-hmm. you could be communicating like, "Nope, she ain't ready. Go the other way, boss." Right. You know, <laughs> and who wants right. to do that? Um, yeah. You know, I have seen and heard enough good success out of some different glands, especially mm-hmm. there's a product called Smokies. Uh, okay. I've heard a, he's got a preorbital gland. Uh, oh sure. Scent. I've heard a lot of good stuff about that starting mock scrapes. Gotcha. Have you ever started, uh, or have you ever, uh, like saved, uh, tarsal glands or anything like that? I have, I, I have actually talked to a lot of people who've had good luck with that. Sure. Like you've had See that. I think, yeah, luck. that, I think yeah. we might be onto something there. Yeah. However, the, so like how you were saying that you used to just dive full on into the, uh, scent control stuff and yeah. all the, uh, scent killer products. I have to admit, I was a big, oh, big yeah. deer urine consumer for Dude. years. <laughs> I was too. I was too. That's half the reason I don't believe in any of the stuff because I've bought. Yeah. Dude, I've bought. I bought a a wine bottle at the Alabama Deer Classic back in like mm-hmm. 2009. I bought a wine bottle full <laughs> of deer pee. Okay, it came with a little suction thing so that you could suck all the air out of it so it wouldn't oxidize while in the bottle. Like it's a legit wine bottle with an air remover. (laughs) And I paid like a hundred something bucks for this bottle of deer pee. So, I, dude, I've gone I've gone to the dark side of that that whole thing. Good Yeah, that sounds like it could be a good prank, dude. It was bad. That art of dinner party. Yeah, I bought that stuff, man. I. So anyway, so you're you're a uh, you're a urine connoisseur as well. I was not anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. I think everyone's kind of gone through that, whether it be the scent control or the uh, the supplemental scents and stuff like that. I yeah. think everybody kind of goes through it, and especially early on when you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work and all that kind of stuff. I think it yeah. it really does. I don't know if it's the kind of thing where it's like you need to be like shown like, okay, yeah, this stuff doesn't work. Yeah. I just need to hunt better. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, like I, I would you think about it, the amount of money you're saving by not dumping it into that stuff every year, you can put towards better gear, fuel in the truck to, you know, maybe go a little bit further, make an yep. extra day trip yep. out to go and, you know, hunt, whatever it may yep. be. Find better I mean, ground, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, Invest I, in some milkweed and there you go. Figure it out. Yeah, dude, <laughs> and I think that's spot on. I think the synthetics could possibly be onto something if they could figure mm-hmm. it out. <clears throat> I mean, deer communicate with their, with their noses, right? 
yeah. uh, and, and their glands. And so if we can ever figure it out with something synthetic that smells enough like it, I think it's possible that it could work. Uh, sure. I think the tarsal glands are a good thing, uh, yeah. are, are good to try. Um, Code Blue actually just came out with an individual tarsal gland from an individual buck that you can buy in a package. Really? Yes. So there might be some value there. I might have just wasted a bunch of your money. You might be going to buy some. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw him at ATA, and I was intrigued a bit. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. this could be something worth looking at. But, man, how many bucks did they murder to get this product <laughs> Right, and that's the, the thing. It's like, did they get them from farms? Did they get them from, like, harvested deer? Like, how do you go about – I mean, commercializing that, you know what I mean? I have no idea. I have no idea. Those things have got to be expensive. I mean, I don't know what they retail for, but. Well, I mean, it's the same kind of thing with the, with the bottles of urine and stuff though. I mean, they have to, I mean, either it's someone's job to, you know, when they kill a deer, drain the bladder into, you know, something or some poor bastard is following and is peeing deer around with its, you know, Dude, a cup and like have you, have hoping you seen, for the best. Have you seen the facilities where they gather deer urine? No. Okay. So the deer are basically standing on a grate. Okay, sure. Kind of like a vet clinic sort of thing. Yep. Underneath, there is a sloped floor that funnels down to a trough that funnels down to the back of the room so that when the deer pee their pee is funneled down through and out of the room. So they're kept Sounds in like the, Kinnick Stadium. What's that? Sounds like Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, it is, it's, it's, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, they got to, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but. Which then again, I mean, you've got, and again, I don't know the science of it, but it seems like if you're doing that in a facility where you're outside of a natural wilderness environment it seems like there's going to be some sort of a scent contaminant going on there one way or another whether it be i don't know if the bottle smells like anything and obviously you know it's going to be a very minute uh, you know source of contamination you know whether it be you know the plastic or the troughs or the facility or but like what's the diet of those deer that are in the yeah um, you know because I, I mean granted this is some caveman biology here, but as a human, you know, we eat something a little, a little off and our, you know, you can quite often smell a difference in your pee. And yep. so it's like, it, does the same thing happen to deer if they're getting fed pellets or, you know, whatever it may be that they're, that they're getting fed in those facilities around the farm. Cause I mean, yeah. you've seen them at like the deer farms and stuff. That's where they yeah. get it. You know, you throw a quarter in, you get what looks like, you know, I mean, rabbit food, essentially just those little pellets of stuff. And so, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. Beats that out of me. Yeah. And you know, not only all the potential contaminants and, and who knows what, if, you know, whether their pee smells like wild deer pee, Yeah. but just the fact that it, it, man, it comes out of them. It hits this floor and dribbles down a long siphon (laughs) into some kind of container. That, you know, the best way to oxidize a liquid, like when you've got a bottle of wine and you want it to, what they say, open up, right? You put it in a decanter. You put it in a, a, you know, a larger thing that gives it more surface area. You might put it in there and swirl it around. That's mm-hmm. to let more air get to the wine. Sure. Well, if you 
take a glass of water and you pour it on the floor, it levels out pretty quickly, real thin, right? Like that's a lot right. of surface area. Yeah. Well, if you're doing that with pee, that oxidation process is happening real quick. Right. Right? Like it's not just sitting in a bottle. It is spread out. And all of that that's exposed to air is getting oxidized. It's yeah. being contaminated, essentially. It's breaking down. And so who knows? By the time it makes it to the bottle, how much does it really smell like deer pee? Yeah, exactly. But Unless they, I don't know. Maybe they've got, maybe they've got. I'm not going to try and engineer the collection of deer <laughs> urine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I need to have somebody, because, you know, I've got all these thoughts on it, but I need to have somebody on who knows what they're talking about maybe one day and just say, walk me through, you know, the, the process of collecting this urine. How do I right. know it's, uh, it's legit? They, well, that's the thing. They probably, as soon as they uh, sign on to work there, they probably signed some sort of an NDA that's like, Ooh. if you tell anyone that this is a racket, I swear to God, <laughs> you will never see the light of day. Oh, well, there go all those partnerships. Again. There go all those <laughs> partnerships I could have had. Uh, <laughs> no, I never could have told people to go buy deer pee, man. Um, I bought enough of it myself to. Yeah. To no, the tarsal stuff I'm interested in. I'm yeah. intrigued by that. Yeah. Dangle sure. one of those from a tree or drop it in a, you know, next to a scrape, something like that. Yep. I, I can see some. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I could see something working there with that. Yeah. Um, well, pretty much any but, gland sense. Like I can just see gland sense in general having yeah, more yeah, value yeah. than urine. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Well, yeah, because it's an oil coming out of those rather than an oxidizable, you know, I guess maybe you'd get stale oil essentially or like a stale gland or whatever it may be. But, um, at the same time, I think you cross that bridge when you get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. We got to figure that part out. Well, Pierce, look, man, we've been going for 56 minutes and we have not gotten to two of the topics that I was most excited to get to. <laughs> so will you commit to come on again before I bring these things up? Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll do another one. At some lock point. That in. All right. So I want to talk about two things. Number one, my tag, my hunt. Right. right, And that's the one that was really going to tick some people off as we, as we talk through it and and not because it's a bad thing. I mean, I'm all for it, man. Your tag, your hunt, like do it. Mm -hmm. I just want us to think about it a little bit. Sure. Like, are there repercussions we didn't intend, you know, and then, uh, best and worst, uh, or most interesting deer camp traditions. (laughs) You found out there might be a lot to do with deer genitalia, but that's all for a, a future episode. We're, Absolutely. We're, we're tantalizing the crowd now. They can't wait. <laughs> With that cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come back next time to talk about deer genitalia. All right. Absolutely. So, uh, all right. Well, Pierce, man, thanks for coming on the show again today. Hey, are you fishing? Yeah, I'm fishing. Yeah, of course I'm fishing. Of well, course. Uh, what's, I just fixed uh, my waders today. You what? I just fixed my waders today. Oh, you spring a leak? Oh, yeah. Many leaks. <laughs> Is it about time for new ones? Yeah, these will get me through another year. I'm going to see how this patch job did. And uh, I tried some like Aquasil UV, which is supposedly pretty good. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I ought to be able to make it through this spring yeah. at the very least. Maybe come fall, I'll, I'll see about grabbing another pair. But our, our waiter season is so short here in Wisconsin anyways that really it's like winter, spring, and then hopefully by May it's warm enough that we can wet wait and 
all that. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah. a lot of these streams too, you really don't have to do too much waiting. Not a ton. No, they're not no. huge. No, no. Uh, if anything, usually muck boots will be just, just fine for folks who don't have waiters. But yeah. <clears throat> dude, I, uh, I bought a pair of waiters on Amazon for 30 bucks years ago. Just recently? No, no years ago. Oh, sure. And, I cannot destroy these things. I cannot put a hole in them to save my life. They're really? P- they're PVC, and they will not okay. spring a leak. Now, they're horribly uncomfortable and extremely <laughs> hot and miserable, but they will not leak, so I can't justify buying new ones. Is that those hip waders that you brought? No, those, oh, were, those were lacrosse. Those okay, were lacrosse sure. hip waders. They're a little bit nicer. Yeah. This is like a, like, you know when you go and you read in the Amazon uh, description and like the person that wrote it obviously does not speak English. Sure. That this is the kind of quality I was shooting for. Sure. Right. Like it was like <laughs> these, this waiter make you very comfy in water kind of thing. Like it was just not good. Sure. Uh, but anyway, little did you know, little did I know <laughs> these things will never die and I'll never be able to justify <laughs> buying myself a pair. So, well, man, if people want to get in touch with you to talk fishing, where, uh, where should they go? Cause you're in the middle of like, booking stuff up. I mean, we were getting on the phone earlier and you were booking clients and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Calendar's starting to fill up uh, for uh, some driftless fly fishing trips uh, over in Wisconsin. <clears throat> um, but yeah, folks want to get in touch and hit the water or talk fishing. Uh, my company is Good Chance Fly Fishing. You can reach us at goodchanceflyfishing.com. Good Chance Fly Fishing on Instagram. Good Chance Fly Fishing at gmail.com. Um, We'd love to get you out. Sweet. It's pretty darn fun. We've got a heck of a season with, coming up. I've been out with Pierce, and it's a it's a good time. He got me on the fish, and uh, looking forward to hopefully doing some more fishing here in April when I come up to turkey hunt. Oh, yeah. So. We'll get a full day in, and maybe a couple even. Sweet. Dude, we'll get after we it. we get out there and smash a turkey on the first morning. and then First morning, first hour. Yeah. The call's been made. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on the show. You bet, man. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.